Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back. And I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. And we're live, everybody! Welcome out to Champions YouTube friends. Drop in your comments and the questions in that chat. And make sure you hammer, and I mean smashing that like and subscribe buttons as we talk with the main man for Pizza Romano here we go i mean join i'm joined by the house of champions well i was gonna say boys because jonathan johnson was joining us but he'll be here later on in the show there's michael hood my man right there plus we got the hardest working and most italian man on the internet yes that's right for me for Romano. bob how are you doing oh great oh great my friend thank you happy to be here as always with a busy week with chelsea again <laughs> oh yeah not just with chelsea baby we got a lot going on for everybody out there who's jumping in please let us know if you have a question for fabrizio for michael for jj for whoever it is mm. even myself if you want to know about my wonderful trip to yes forza zang pauli let me know in the comment section as well I'll try to get to the best ones as quickly as possible fab we got to start with this game i know we want to talk chelsea but we got to start with this game yesterday that took place in italy um i'm not gonna lie i may have had a few dollars on napoli winning that game and no, uh, Milano turned up, <laughs> Rafa Leao turned up. Wow, what a result that was, man. Honestly, a big surpri- surprising result and big performance by Milan. But I'm not that surprised with Milan winning, uh, you yeah. know, because Napoli, of course, they don't have Ozyman. And I think for Milan, that kind of reaction was needed. Of course, I was not expecting a 4-0. That's incredible to see Milan in that shape. Not just Rafa Leao, but I think also Brahim Diaz had a fantastic game. Uh, Alexis Salamakers in the second half. So the approach was perfect. And I think they also want to send a message to Napoli, of course, for the upcoming games in the Champions League. That was crucial for Stefano Pioli, for the squad, for the team after a really difficult moment for Milan in the Serie A. They are doing very well in Europe, not that well in Serie A, and so they needed that kind of strong message. So I was expecting a good Milan performance, but honestly, mm. 4-0 is incredible, it's unbelievable. And so congrats to them because they absolutely destroyed Napoli, and we know how complicated it is to do that this season. Fab, with a performance like this by Leal and Milan, how does this impact his future at the San Siro? Yeah, from what I understand, the negotiations are still ongoing between SC Milan and, and Rafa Leao. So there is a concrete negotiation, concrete talks to extend his contract. Milan have offered him important money, huge money to the Italian football, honestly, because it's around 7 million euros net 
per season salary with a long-term deal. So this is a really important contract. And so the negotiations are still ongoing. I'm also told that the family of Rafa Leao is trying also to protect a bit the player uh, because there is a lot of pressure here in Italy on this contract extension for Leao. Let's remind that he's out of contract next summer, summer 2024. So it's a dangerous situation for Milan and they have to make sure they can have this new contract signed as soon as possible. So let's see how it will evolve. But the negotiation is still there. The conversation is ongoing. And for Milan, that would be absolutely crucial to keep Rafa Leao to extend this contract. And let me mention also another thing, Brahim Diaz, because we said about mm. Brahim having a fantastic game, but Brahim is on loan from Real Madrid. He will go back to Real Madrid at the end of the season. Let's see if Milan and Real Madrid can find a way together on a fee. But from what I understand, Real Madrid are prepared to offer Brahim Diaz a new long-term contract. So let's keep an eye on Brahim and Real Madrid and not just Milan in this case. Yeah, outstanding performance from Leao, but also Brahim Diaz. Diaz in Oof. the first half. Wow. Oh, my man. gosh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely tore it up there. All right, we got many Chelsea fans who are in the comments right now. Ask Chelsea questions. What's happening with Chelsea? <laughs> hey, Fabrizio, what's the latest? I mean, Graham Potter fired after only, what, 31 games in charge? He had a 39% win rate, the lowest rate of any permanent manager in the 21st century when it comes to the Premier League. I mean, why now? Why make this decision now? Let's talk about Potter's decision, obviously, with Chelsea to let him go right now. Why now? I don't get it. From what I understand, they wanted to give it uh, a shock to the squad uh, after a really difficult moment. Uh, as you mentioned, the numbers are very clear, but Chelsea always protected and supported the manager in February, in March, in difficult moments. But then after the Aston Villa game, they had a feeling that something different was needed also into the dressing room. Some of the players were not happy at all. Mm. Uh, the feeling also on the pitch is that they needed some different kind of energy and so Chelsea were waiting and waiting because they always wanted to protect Graham Potter they spent big money to appoint Graham Potter in September they trusted him his ideas his project for a long time I think he also has some uh, excuses some points in his favor because many players joined in January Chelsea are rebuilding everything so it's not just Graham Potter in this case but then they decided to give it a shock they feel that the dressing group needs something different now they feel that with Real Madrid, they can compete. They can do something important, maybe with this change of manager, to change the air and the atmosphere around the squad. And so this is why on Saturday night, right after the Aston Villa game, there was an internal discussion between all the directors, mm. the owners of Chelsea, of course, with Todd Ball involved. And they decided to proceed with, uh, with the new coach. So to change uh, and uh, to have a new face uh, on the bench as soon as possible. At the moment, is Bruno Salter, who had his press conference a few minutes ago as an interim coach. But Chelsea are looking for a new manager immediately and the conversations are going. Well, Bruno Salter, as you said, in the hot seat right now. But Fab, I know your phone's going to be blowing up in the next minute, in the next month, in the next transfer window. Who are some of the top managers who are in for the running for this job? So I keep saying what I said also yesterday and right after the news of Graham Potter and also before, because on Saturday night I had that kind of indication. Julian Nagelsmann is the favorite to get the Chelsea mm-hmm. job. Favorite means that he's really appreciated internally at Chelsea. We know that the technical director, Christopher Vivel, uh, knows very well uh, Julian Nagelsmann. And so he's a big fan of his ideas, of his methods, but not just Christopher Vivel. I'm told that also other people into the board are a big fan of uh, Julian Nagelsmann, considered the perfect manager for the Chelsea job. But we also know that Chelsea is not just about one single person. There is Todd Bolli, Benedek Dali, and all the directors. It's like five, six, seven people deciding all together for the new for the new coach. And this is a crucial step. This is not just a new manager, but they already changed the manager in September. They invested big money. This was not working. So now they can't 
miss on this manager. And this is why they're going to take their time today, tomorrow, the next few days to meet with managers, to meet with representatives, to decide who is the best option. But I keep saying that from my understanding, Yuna Nagelsmann is the favorite. And it's important to understand what's going to happen on Nagelsmann's side because he wanted to wait a bit, but Chelsea is tempting Nagelsmann. Let me mention that at the moment, Chelsea have not contacted Bayern because he's still under contract with Bayern until June 2026. So in case they want to proceed with Nagelsmann, they have to contact Bayern and find an agreement. At the moment, it's still not direct club-to-club contact, but Nagelsmann is the favourite. To mention other potential names, I would keep an eye on Ruben Amorim, sporting coach, really appreciated too. But this is not easy during the season to go for a manager who is already busy with uh, sporting. And then Luis Enrique also has some uh, people appreciating him into the board. So let's see what Chelsea will decide to do, but Nagelsmann is the favourite. We hear a lot about what's happening at Chelsea Football Club with people going there, people wanting to go there. Nagelsmann, obviously, I would imagine would be the favourites. Why wouldn't he be? He's a young coach. He's obviously um, had a rough go at Bayern Munich, but we all know he's a top coach. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that type of pressure. And I think Chelsea needs some sort of structure. So Yuli Nagelsmann brings a determination. But have you heard of any coaches saying, I'm not interested in Chelsea. I want to stay away from this sort of mess that's going on at Chelsea because realistically for Brizio, Chelsea don't have a great record recently of showing loyalty to coaches. And I would imagine there's a lot of people out there saying, I'm not going to Chelsea. I'm staying away from this. This is a mess. Honestly, I have to tell you the truth. No, I'm not aware of that because probably it's Chelsea, it's the badge, it's the money, it's the history, it's the city, it's the league. There are many reasons. But I think all the top managers are attracted by this job. This is the feeling into the industry that, okay, we know that it's not an easy situation. Uh, We saw with Potter how complicated that was. I always mention one thing. In January, they signed, it was like seven, eight players, all coming from different leagues, not even one coming from Premier League. So Joao Felix coming from Spain, Badia Schill coming from France, uh, Mudrik from Ukraine. It was also Andre Santos from Brazil. Many talented players, good players, but from different countries. In general, this is complicated for coaches to handle. So it's not easy to be the Chelsea manager today, but there is a feeling into the industry that this could be a great job maybe in months years, one year, two years. So it will take some time. They are rebuilding everything, the board, uh, the squad, of course, the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. But there is a feeling into the industry that that job will be a really important one in in, uh, in, in few months or in few years. And so this is why I think that it's still really, really attractive. With grandfather getting sacked by Chelsea Football Club, and Fab, thank you for breaking the news. It was a shock to all of us. Or was it? Go to Tottenham Hotspurs. How does the grandfather sacking affect Spurs' search because Nagelsmann's been linked with the club and now if he goes to Chelsea, that frees up a Grand Potter, no? Yes, um, honestly, it's true that Tottenham uh, have had some internal discussion about Nagelsmann. I'm not aware of any uh, proposal to Julian Nagelsmann, so I'm not aware of anything advanced between Tottenham and, and Nagelsmann at this stage. So I'm not sure that they were that close to, to appointing Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, I also saw many reports, but I'm told it was not that advanced between Nagelsmann and Tottenham. Uh, let's see with Tottenham what's going to happen, because Nagelsmann was one of the names. I'm sure that they have a long list with many candidates. It could be five to six candidates to get the job. Daniel Levy wants to decide in the next weeks in the best way for the for the club. I think it's going to take some time to understand who is going to be the new Tottenham coach. It's not something that is going to be resolved in a few days or weeks. It will take time. But also important to understand 
two factors. The first one, if they're going to be in the Champions League next season, this is going to be crucial for many managers to understand if they want to get the Tottenham job or not. And also to understand who's going to be the director, because we know the situation of Fabio Paratici. We have to wait for the appeal on April 19 to understand what's going to happen to the director. But in general, at the moment, there is a lot of uncertainty around Tottenham. And so this is why it's important to understand what's going to be the Tottenham project and why many managers are waiting for that before, before deciding. We got a lot of great comments coming in here. Vic is uh, jumping in. He's saying it's funny that Graham Potter went from 40k a week to 290,000 a week at Chelsea Football Club. Amy jumping in and saying Pulisic seems like he wants to leave. Well, we'll be interested to see what happens mm. with Pulisic. Now we also have a comment from KM1365 who says, uh, "Could Chelsea do a swap of Anthony Barry for Nagelsmann since both clubs ah. want coaches from the other side?" There, anything there for Brizio Chat? Doesn't have to be ah. long. I would not be surprised, honestly, if they try to have that kind of, of negotiation. At the moment, is is not something concrete. But what is concrete is that Bayern want uh, Barry and they will insist for that. And they feel that this will happen in the next days. So they're really confident and optimistic. Let's see if they will have that kind of swap, if they will have that kind of negotiation. I'm not sure that the value is the same, honestly, because Nagelsmann is an important salary at Bayern. And of course, that would be important for Bayern as they paid huge money to have Julian Nagelsmann from uh, from Red Bull Group. So that's another point. But I think that this could be a point of, of discussion between Chelsea and Bayern, for sure. 13 managers have been sacked now in the Premier League. Graham Potter leaving Chelsea was the 13th managerial departure in the Premier League. Now three more in-season departures than any other previous campaign after Leicester parted ways with Brendan Rodgers. What's the latest there, Fabrizio? Brendan Rodgers, obviously, uh, very disappointing to see the results and performances from Leicester this season. I'm upset a little bit for Brendan Rodgers himself there, um, but certainly uh, the decision was to be made with Leicester in serious trouble now. Yes, and I think also Brendan Rodgers was not 100% sure of the future at the club. And so this was probably the best decision for all parties involved. There was this kind of feeling already in the summer. Maybe uh, you remember about the situation of Fofana when they decided to sell Fofana to Chelsea. That was not uh, exactly what he wanted. Not about selling the player, but the strategy, Yuri Tillemans out of contract, Madison, who is attracting a lot of interest and it's not going to be easy for Leicester to keep him in the summer. So it's about the world project. And this is why the situation between Rodgers and Leicester was, uh, was not great. Uh, of course on the pitch but also off the pitch in the strategy decision so they decided to, to part ways Leicester are going to meet internally today tomorrow to decide and also have some interviews to see who's going to be the, the new coach I also heard some rumours on Rafa Benitez but I'm told that at the moment it's not something advanced or that concrete so let's see who they're going to decide to be the new the new coach but for sure I think this is the best decision because the feeling between Rodgers and Leicester was not the same and I think they need to have different kind of project also for the future because they are losing too many players every single summer and they need to refresh the project if they want to be back at top level as they were a few years ago the great Fabrizio Romano on House of Champions as is Michael Hood going to take a short break Thomas Tuchel on the other side stick with us selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, before we get into Thomas Tuchel, welcome back everybody to House of Champions for Pizza Romano is with us here. Myself and Michael LaHood, my co-host today, Jonathan Johnson, will be joining us a little bit later on. Before we get into Thomas Tuchel, I just want to touch upon a fact that our very own James Benj asked an interesting question to Mikel Arteta about, um, yeah, Trossard and his assists this season. <laughs> and it was an interesting response from Mikel Arteta. Um, I thought it was quite fantastic. I don't know if producer Des has got the clip there that you can throw it up, but just uh, take a listen to his answer. You arrived in the, uh, your club and 10 Premier League teams. In your wildest dreams, could you imagine making such an impact? I have very wild dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for Pizza Romano, I can't even begin to imagine the dreams that you were having. I thought that response was awesome from Arteta. He's clearly a happy man right now. But uh, certainly uh, there has been some Arsenal news of late, particularly around Emil Smith-Rowe, potentially about mm. his future. What's the latest on Arsenal before we move on to the Bayern debut of Thomas Tuchel? I think it's about uh, about Arsenal. It's really similar to Napoli situation. What we always mention about Napoli is basically the same for Arsenal. They don't want to have any kind of distraction about players joining, players leaving. They want to live the dream. They want to win the Premier League. And so they're trying to isolate the squad, not to have any kind of distraction. Only positive news. And when I mention positive news, I mention new contracts because Bukayo Saka will sign a new deal with Arsenal very soon. Everything has been agreed. And trust me, this is like a new signing because when you have a player like Saka out of contract in summer 24, that was a dangerous situation and Arsenal have been perfect in their strategy to keep the players so new deal uh, signing is is really imminent and then William Saliba because there will be more conversations with William Saliba very soon to try to extend this contract too there is a conversation ongoing with his agents uh, more talks will take place very soon and so this is the mission for Arsenal to keep the players they have and then to plan for the summer but I think it's going to be a busy summer for Arsenal they will try to go to the next step of the project so to bring in important players they had kind of rebuilding in the last two years but now they want to bring in maybe one two three important players and so let's see what they're gonna plan i'm sure midfielders offensive players maybe a fullback this could be the market for arsenal but now the full focus is on the premier league three yeah, this is a quick shift from Arsenal to Der Klassiker and the Bundesliga. Ian, I know you were watching it. This has been the blockbuster matchup. Thomas Tuchel, debut match for Bayern Munich. Still can't believe that this is happening, as I said last week, but it's a reality. They win 4-2. They demolish Borussia Dortmund. But all 
wasn't exactly as planned. As Joao Cancelo, he walks off the field frustrated. He doesn't even salute the fans. He goes straight to the dressing room. And sporting director Hassan Salihamizic says, these are the emotions after a game. It's not a problem. It's normal for a player to be disappointed when they don't play. Should Thomas Tuchel be concerned? And what's the latest with Joao Cancelo's contract? Because he's on loan to Bayern Munich. Yes, honestly, I'm not surprised with that. Uh, I think Cancelo is a fantastic player, fantastic fullback, maybe one of the best in the world. It's not for me to say. I think it's really clear that Cancelo is an incredible player when he's on the pitch. But when he's on the bench or he's not playing, he's absolutely not happy at all. He's really frustrated. And so you will never see Cancelo happy if he's not playing. This is his attitude. This is his behavior. He's always like this. And I think this is one of the reasons why Cancelo is now on loan. That is still surprising to see Cancelo alone in the same sentence because he's an incredible player. But he's on loan because he was not happy at Manchester City by not playing. And they decided to part ways in, uh, in January. So that is the situation. Cancelo wants to play. If he's not playing, he's always going to look for something different. So from what I heard, by and Tuchel will speak very soon about the situation of, uh, of Joao Cancelo. There will be a conversation like end of April, beginning of May to decide how they want to uh, negotiate with Manchester City, if they want to negotiate with Manchester City, because from what I understand, Bayer will not trigger the buy option, so it's impossible to see Bayer paying 70 million euros for Joao Cancelo. It's not about Cancelo, it's that Bayer does spend crazy money on one single player, and this is not going to happen for a fullback, for sure, in general. But for Joao Cancelo, the option could be to negotiate Bayern, Manchester City, at the end of the season. At the moment, this is not decided yet. Bayern want to take their time. They want to play Cancelo in the next weeks because Tuchel in the press conference today spoke very well of Cancelo. He said, I love him. Uh, I'm convinced this kind of player will be really important for him in this final part of the season. So I'm sure he will play in the final games. But it's also important to understand how much Bayern are prepared to spend for Cancelo because I'm not sure that it's going to be anything close to 50, 60 million euros, way less than this. Yeah, listen, we got about 45 more questions with you, Fabrizio Romano, <laughs> but we got no more time. We got about a few minutes left with you, Fab, before we do we'll let you go. So I want to turn my attention to, um, obviously, another El Clasico coming up there. We have the Copa del Rey second leg to look forward to. Really, everyone's looking forward to that. But let's talk some Barcelona news before we touch on Real Madrid and let you go. Um, Messi, George Messi, once again, talking about Messi's future, potentially what could happen there. Um, obviously, issues with uh, Gaultier, we hear. Um, but I'm also hearing that there has been maybe a meeting between Barcelona and Messi. And at the the end of the day, is it even possible that we could see Messi back at Barcelona with all these rules and regulations against Barca's transfers now? I think what happened on Friday, last Friday, was really crucial because for the very first time, Barcelona vice president Rafa Hust admitted that there are contacts between the camp of Leo Messi, so his father, George, and, uh, and, uh, and Barcelona. So there are discussions. For sure, Barcelona want Leo Messi. This is very clear. I think also Xavi was very clear before the, before the game on the press conference. He was stating again that he would love to have Leo Messi. That would be absolutely perfect for him to have Messi back to Barcelona. And from what I understand, the calls of Xavi Hernandez are something really frequent in the last few weeks with uh, with Leo Messi so he's trying they are trying but at the moment while we're speaking there is not an official proposal from Barcelona to Leo Messi so it's not that they are negotiating length of the contract salary or this kind of things at the moment they are showing an intention to bring Messi back for sure at the moment situation between Messi and PSG is on standby so he has a proposal from Paris Saint-Germain in that case yes PSG they made their proposal in March but Messi is not accepting as he wants to understand who's going to be the coach what kind of project it will be how many players they will change and so between Messi and PSG at the moment the bid is on the table 
but not accepted yet. And with Barcelona, he knows they want him, the intention is there, but there are two crucial points. Juan Laporta, the relationship between the president and Messi, that has to be discussed between Laporta and Messi to change the situation, president-player, and then the financial fair play. The financial fair play is crucial, is crucial part of the story. To make a bid to Leo Messi, they need to clarify the situation on the financial fair play. And so these two points are the crucial ones to understand if Messi can make this incredible return to, to Barca in the summer. Yeah, Vab, very quick for me. Ansu Fati, not getting as many minutes. He's been plagued with injuries. His father, Bori Fati, comes out and starts complaining about playing time. Are there any suitors for the 20-year-old? I think, yeah, something could happen with Premier League clubs because they always had an interest in, in Ansu Fati. It was Manchester United two years ago, other clubs one year ago asking about the situation of Ansu Fati. But there is one point. We saw all the statements from the father, Bori Fati, in, uh, in public. But from what I understand, Ansu Fati on... His idea is to stay at Barcelona. He would love to stay at Barca. He wants to fight and, uh, and stay for the players at Barcelona. Also, he scored during the weekend, so the message was pretty good, I think, on the player side. And so Ansu Fati wants to stay. Xavi wants Ansu Fati to stay. Let's see how it will continue in the next weeks, if they will continue to, to perform, if Ansu Fati will keep scoring. And then we see in the summer, because at the moment this is a possibility for Premier League clubs, but not something advanced. Fabrizio, we got to let you go. But before I do, I have an absolutely wild question because I also have wild dreams like Arteta, okay? <laughs> In my head, Fabrizio, I'm wanting to watch more La Liga. I love watching La Liga because Lewandowski is now there. He, I'm a yeah. huge Lewandowski fan. I think everybody mm. knows that. Um, but I want to see the top players play at the best clubs. Is there a possibility that we could see Messi back at Barcelona and that we could see Mbappe at Real Madrid? Ooh. Is that possible or am I crazy? At the moment, honestly, I think Paris Saint-Germain are not going to lose uh, both Mbappé and Messi in the same moment. That would be oh. that would be insane for PSG. But I'm sure PSG will fight to keep Mbappé as soon as as long as as long as possible. So it's not going to be easy at all. But in the future, who knows? <laughs> Let's see. Fabrizio Romano, golf clap, Michael Hood for Fabrizio. Yeah. He brings oh, it as you. always. Everybody, make sure you go follow, follow Fabrizio on his social media platforms. Also, um, very active on the podcast and YouTube platforms. So go follow him on every content that he provides. Yeah, always top class stuff. Fabrizio, we love you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Yeah. Here on Ciao, Fab. Thank you. All right, everybody, stick around. We got more from the House of Champions boys when we come back, and we'll also throw in Jonathan Johnson. That's with us next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Don't miss a second of the action from the greatest club competition on earth. That is, of course, the Champions League and also the Europa League. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer like Karim Benzema, Victor Osman, Erling Haaland and Marcus Rashford. Plus Angel, Angel and Gael Di Maria as they try to clinch continental glory. Stream every single match from the Champions League and Europa League live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month for free using the promo code advance welcome out to champions everybody and welcome along to jonathan johnson ah. i think when i said to fabrizio right there jj i think i said let's bring it into the show i didn't mean to say it when i was saying let's bring it into the show as reference to you but how you doing buddy <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't worry i won't be holding it against you well you know what it is you know how it is i just thought i'd leave it to the b team to chat with fab and oh okay you know, you can throw it okay. to the a team now that i'm here <laughs> okay. really that cockiness is coming out after an Hey, you know, you know, you know what? I'm just, I'm just in a good mood. It might have been something to do with a certain result at Stamford Bridge over the weekend, but yep. uh, no, th- things are pretty peachy in, uh, in us Villa fans' lives right now. Real quickly, let's touch upon that one. I mean, you are an Aston yeah. Villa fan. Obviously, it's a roller coaster ride for uh, you as a Villa fan. Um, you've certainly had some lows, but recently been uh, riding the highs. But that performance at the weekend was very, very good, and certainly so- shows great signs for the future for Aston Villa. But also. What did you learn from Chelsea while you were watching your boys dismantle them? Uh, nothing, uh, you know, really that we haven't already discussed. Uh, you know, I just think it's still Chelsea, you know, from top to bottom are just still devoid of, you know, some sort of like identity, some kind of plan. So, you know, to say that I was shocked uh, that Graham Potter was axed, you know, I wasn't particularly, uh, you know, I kind of think it's a bit of an ironic twist, you know, given the fact that he could have taken the Villa job after Steven Gerrard, uh, you know, left, mm. didn't. Then he goes and takes the Chelsea job. And, you know, his last game as Chelsea boss is a defeat to Villa, which is, you know, the club he grew up supporting coming from Solihull, which is where I come from as well. But, uh, you know, I, I really, I can't say that I'm surprised. In fact, the only thing I think that I am perhaps surprised about was that, that it took this long, uh, you know, for Chelsea to actually drop into the bottom half of the table before the axe, uh, you know, fell because they are now in massive at massive risk of uh, you know not making the champions league spots i've got a piece coming out later today sort of looking at the the candidates uh, you know sort of fighting for third spot uh, you know third and fourth spot basically the two remaining champions league ones if we assume that arsenal and city are going to finish as two of those top 4 and okay villa are long shots in that but they're actually sort of in that discussion now when you look at the form they've put yeah. together recently under unai emery uh you know and i think for us villa fans uh, you know even to be in with a shout of european football given the way that our season went at the very beginning really unhappy times under steven gerrard sure disappointing to have dropped out of both domestic cups so early but equally you know we could talk about sort of the the result over the weekend sort of indicating how bad things are at Chelsea you know look at the money that Chelsea have spent yeah Villa have spent quite big in relative terms but nothing sort of on the the same level as Chelsea uh you know and when you look at what somebody like Unai Emery is doing with what's been made available to him since he came in he's doing a very impressive job and it kind of mirrors the situation that Emery didn't want to walk into with Newcastle last season, which Eddie Howe obviously is now doing a fine job in, uh, you know, so I'm just curious to see, you know, how much further Emery can take it between now and the end of the season. 
Yeah, great stuff as well, JJ. I mean, obviously, everybody look out for what JJ is dropping on cbssports.com as well. But uh, we have to give a little applause to one of our uh, listeners and one of our followers mm -hmm. for a long time. Aaron Alexander just jumping in the comments here and saying, guys, I am back from military service. Thanks for the shout out months ago. Came back safe and sound and Arsenal are still ah. top of the table. So <laughs> first and foremost, thank you for your service, Aaron Alexander. And uh, so glad you're healthy and back safe and sound. One of our loyal listeners and we've got so many out there. So everybody continue to throw in the comments and uh, like subscribe and share the show as much as you possibly can as I'm sure Aaron did with all of his uh, mm. military servicemen and women around the world um, alright we got a ton to it because it, unfortunately it's my job to do so Mike um, Newcastle Look pretty goddamn good against Manchester United this weekend. Getting a victory 2-0 against Manchester United. They move into third place now in goal difference. Uh, the fight for the top four is well and truly on. Um, overall, your thoughts on the game. Newcastle, to me, looked very good. My father, Manchester yeah. United fan, texted me before the game and said, I'm going to put some money on United. I said, may as well go in the back garden and burn your money because that is a difficult place to go play. Oh, man, I've never been so happy to have my mother-in-law in town because I had to watch the game on tape delay. If... I had watched it live. I would have thrown a chair through the damn window. And Aaron, thank you for bringing some positivity and some light into my world. Much needed. Horrific weekend for all my teams. I got 19 teams in world football. The top of the barrel being Manchester United. The game was lost in midfield, I think. Newcastle dominated the middle of the park. And two players who were not in that League's Cup final didn't get in the 11. Joe Willick. It just had to be Joe Willick, the former Arsenal man. For Arsenal players around the world, Balogun, Joe Willick, Bakayo Saka, these guys scoring goals at the weekend. It just has to be just that sort of vibe. I don't like it as a United fan, and I didn't like what I saw. Newcastle, Alexander Isak, United didn't have an answer for him. There was such a mismatch between he and Martinez, and that's been a question mark. At the start of the season, we saw teams dominate against United. Brentford did sort of that sort of thing against uh, the mismatch between Martinez in terms of his height. But Newcastle, there's a bit of a revival, much-needed win against United. And I'm worried about this Manchester United run-in. As a United fan, I'm still confident because we still have Casemiro waiting in the wings. We need him. We're dependent on him. But McTominay, not the sort of performance you're expecting after a very good international break. He and Sabitzer can never play again uh, together again. If that happens, I'm going to ask my mother-in-law to come back in town, and I'm not watching the damn game. <laughs> is, is this not a bit... Uh... I'm not going to say ungrateful, Mike, but is it not like maybe over-exaggerating a little bit? Because you look at United's situation in the table. I mean, they're still in the top four, uh, you know, in with a shout of FA Cup success, Europa League as well. So it's, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, I think maybe some people got carried away, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a few months ago talking about the possibility of United making a title tilt. I don't think it was ever really that realistic that they'd be in with a, you know, with a shout of really truly challenging Arsenal and Man City. So when you bear in mind that, you know, United still have a game in hand over Spurs, which should theoretically keep, uh, you know, a place in the top four safe. You know, I don't think it's all, you know, that bad, really. I mean, especially if United are to rack up another piece of silverware in either the FA Cup or the Europa League, I still think that that would be a really impressive first season for Eric Ten Hag. I mean, sure, you, you know, sort of in isolation, you can look at that result and say it's disappointing or the performance sort of wasn't up to expectations. There's been a couple of those this season at United, but... Equally, uh, you know, does it really take, uh, you know, a lot of the shine off of what's been quite a constructive uh, debut season so far for the Dutchman? No, I, I told you my expectations and they're still the same. What? I want top four and the League's Cup. 
That's all I wanted just to make it marginal, just to be realistic. I know United are in these different competitions, but what I think you're starting to see is the accumulation of games. This is a United team that even though they're in different competitions, they don't rotate that much. And I think you will see that buildup. And just in transition, Newcastle looked the fresher team, and Marcus Rashford didn't go with England in the international break. But I didn't even notice Marcus Rashford was on the field throughout the 90 minutes. I noticed Veghorst more out of frustration, missing goals left and right again than I did Rashford. <laughs> that needs to change if United are going to get top four or win any other trophy. Well, United have got, obviously, Brentford coming up in midweek in the Premier League, and then they have a game against Everton. If you look at Newcastle, what they've got coming up, there's three away games coming up for them. They're at West Ham, which is tough. They're at Brentford, which is tough. And then they've got an easy one at Aston Villa on April 15th. Just kidding, JJ. Um, But for me in particular, you know, as we look at and turn our attention to more of the top four battle, um, I'm actually impressed with Newcastle and what they've done because I went into that game as much as we've said, JJ, you pointed out greatly that United are, are, are difficult to beat now. They're not an easy team to beat whether it's home or away. Newcastle looked fantastic and I actually went into that game thinking Newcastle are going to turn up here. They haven't played well recently. Uh, they need to get back to winning ways and uh, that fortress that they have at home, if they can bring that week in and week out, which they normally do, it should lead them into a top four place. Um And the team right now, what Eddie Howe has done with the team is really phenomenal. So I'm really intrigued and I'm excited because really we have a battle now. We have a battle somewhat for um, obviously uh, winning the title between Arsenal and Manchester City. We'd expect obviously Arsenal to win it. Um, But this top four battle is well and truly on. So JJ, who would you expect to be the teams that end up there? Will there be a surprise outside of let's take away Arsenal and Manchester City as the top two? Who would be the other two teams that do make it into that top four for you? And then Mike, you follow. I mean, the the team that I really think could make a fist of a, a top four place, given the fact that they've got two games in hand over most of the teams around them, is Brighton. Uh, the team that I would probably be most worried about dropping out of the race for the top four would actually be Spurs. It wouldn't be United. It wouldn't be Newcastle. Uh, you know, I think as long as there's this disarray around the club, this lack of uh, you know certainty in the wake of Antonio Conte leaving. Uh, you know, the longer that goes on, uh, the less chance I think I, I have for them of uh, finishing in the top four. So I think it's, you know, pretty pressing now that in terms of urgency, especially with, uh, you know, Chelsea on the lookout for uh, for a new manager as well. The Spurs, you know, settle on their number one priority, try and get that guy in as soon as possible, or at least have some kind of clarity in terms of where they're moving going forward. But for me, Brighton, I think so much is now going to play on the, that FA Cup semi-final that they have coming up against United. Uh, and depending on the outcome of that, I actually think that Brighton are really going to push to finish in that top four. Yeah, I, I'm very weary as a United fan of Brighton, more so than Spurs, just given the schedule. I know United play Brighton and Brighton really have a big say in this top four because they play all the remaining teams that are in contention with them. Big matchup to come, though. Tottenham Hotspurs versus Brighton. That's one you don't want to miss. Newcastle versus Brighton, I think, is their very next match. So they will have a big say in this top four run in just by direct competition alone. I'm weary in that FA Cup matchup alone against Brighton as a United fan, as I said. When I look at Manchester United, when I look at Newcastle, when I look at Tottenham, when I look at Brighton, Brighton has done the best job of going through that spell where they lost one of their best players in Trossard. They've retained two of their best players in McAllister and Caicedo. Well done by Deserbi and that staff. For United, it's getting Casemiro back and making sure he doesn't get any more red cards 
please, Casemiro, please, I hope you go to therapy. Retain that sense of calm <laughs> and do not get another red card because we need no. you. I need you it. so I don't come and freaking lose my mind on this show as usual. <laughs> I mean, I think as well, this kind of the, the flip side to that is now with Chelsea and uh, Spurs looking for new managers. And, you know, I know this is kind of like an old record, but, you know, Brighton will be kind of wary of the fact that Deserby has that clause in his contract. I think Fab was tweeting about it the other day where... Mm you know, other clubs can come in for him from this summer onwards. So if they're already positioning themselves while this run-in is happening, that's potentially a worry for Brighton. But in terms of the scheduling, the team with the best schedule in terms of finishing in the top four is actually Spurs because Spurs play, I think it's every single one of those teams from third position down to ninth. So they have sort of their fate in their own hands, so to speak, in terms of making sure that they don't drop out of that race, uh, you know, for the top four. But Equally, uh, you know, so much depends on, uh, you know, uh, you've got this interim management team uh, at Spurs at the moment. Stellini kind of in his first experience of really being, uh, you know, the, the the big boss between now and whenever Spurs name their new manager. So I think that that is definitely something that's going to play a factor in this uh, in this race for top four, because it is still a really good opportunity for Spurs, given the games that they have coming up. We have Amy and we have Rafa in the chat right here. I'm not sure if they're living in the same household here, but they both say <laughs> Arsenal, Manchester City, Newcastle and Brighton in that order oh. and written, written perfectly as well. So nice to see. Um, listen, at the end of the day, Brighton still have a big game coming up. I think it's a midweek against uh, Bournemouth, which uh, Bournemouth fighting the relegation. Those are never easy games, by the way. I'm a fan of what uh, they're doing at Brighton. Obviously, Deserby doing a great job. But these games, the run-in between Newcastle, um, of course, and Brighton and Spurs, it'll be interesting to see. I fancy Manchester United finishing the top four, Mike. So let's uh, let's yeah. calm down a little bit and throw some positivity at that, please. All right, let's turn our attention to what happened around the rest of Europe. We've got to go to Italy because, um, mm. JJ, this was phenomenal, man. This performance from AC Milan um, against Napoli was absolutely phenomenal. And obviously, I wanted to start with Paris Saint-Germain, but I thought best not to. So we're going to go with AC Milan's victory <laughs> over Napoli. Overall thoughts on this game? I don't know if you watched. It was played at the same time as PSG was obviously going on. I um, don't know if you've looked at the highlights or anything, but Leal mm. was outstanding. Diaz was outstanding. Milan were excellent. Napoli, shambolic in this game. And I mean, worst <laughs> performance. Kim, we've been building up Kim as the best oh. defender in Europe. He looked like the worst defender in Europe in this game. <laughs> JJ, take it away. Yeah, this is this this is going to be really interesting now to see how it impacts Napoli because sort of in isolation, you can forgive Napoli sort of for the way the consistency they've had throughout the entire season, sort of having an off day. It's a shame, obviously, for them that it came against Milan, but equally, they've built themselves up such a, a significant lead at the top of Serie A. It's still difficult to say that this is going to be the beginning of a wobble at the moment obviously Napoli have previous in terms of that happening so I guess we can't rule it out completely but also at the same time you know we've been kind of waiting for some of Italy's other big dogs to kind of wake up and put in a, a performance like this yeah. uh you know and it just so happened to to come here but I do think it's not uh you know by chance that suddenly Aussie men is out and Napoli mm look a little lost, not necessarily just in, in front of goal, but I think when, you, when you're when you a team and you develop that kind of momentum that Napoli have built up over you know the course of this season, when you lose such a key component and you're not entirely certain when they're going to come back ahead of some key games, you know, that can impact uh, you know, the collective confidence. And I, I think that will be shaken even more now 
by by this result. Also, you know, don't underestimate the fact that this result came for Napoli at home. If this had come on the road, I think they would have been able to brush it off quite easily. But mm-hmm. to get, uh, you know, their, their their pants pulled down and smacked around, uh, you know, the way that they did here, you know, that could have some potential potential mental damage, uh, you know, for the remainder of the season. And obviously, it's quite motivating for them going up against Milan again over two legs in the Champions League but equally they now know that Milan can also hurt them so who knows maybe it's the wake-up call that Napoli needed to ensure that they get maximum amounts of success for the remainder of this season equally there is a massive pressing need now to get Aussie men back on the pitch ASAP yeah this is every club coach's worst nightmare when you have your star player going far away on international duty, he gets a thigh injury playing for Nigeria, which they are the gift that keeps on giving. Come on, Sierra Leone, kick their asses when you play them. But that's a different story. When you look at this Napoli team, they are built to play different ways. But a key factor in how they play is getting the ball wide. Victor Osiman leads the league in headed goals. This guy is a complete striker, but he is a force to be reckoned with in the box his hold up play is amazing it brings the rest of the team in it allows Cavada to make slashing runs almost like a second forward when he is out their attack looks stunted and AC Milan they look like a team that knew that they were playing with house money going to the Diego Armando Stadium they they did so well to transition and looked way more dynamic and if you are Napoli you are weary that if Victor Osiman is not available for that first leg, and we'll see what happens in his recovery time, if he's not available for that first leg in the Champions League, it puts so much pressure in that second leg, pressure that I don't think this team has seen yet. But this Napoli side, they have risen when adversity has come with injuries. It's not the first time we've seen Osiman out. Different players have stepped up, and I expect different players to step up again. Yeah, Ed jumping in the comments and says, there's a Napoli bottle it from here. I don't think a certain person should ever be allowed to reference them ever again. Thank you, Ed, for that one. Vic jumping in and says, it makes the Champions League quarterfinal much more interesting. We agree with that one. Producer Des jumping in the chat here and said, a lot of fans were upset over the ticket prices hikes at the Maradona yesterday, which was really interesting. Obviously, the atmosphere was great. We had our uh, Paramount Plus uh, crew were all on site in Naples as well. So I blame Poppy Miller for this defeat. I'm absolutely going to hammer her for that one. Um, Matteo Bonetti on the call was, extremely excited about Milan's performance as he should be this was probably Milan's best performance of the season they looked outstanding everything clicked for them everyone went wrong for Napoli just didn't play well I think they have such a gap at the top of the table you have a tendency sometimes and we have seen this with Napoli before at home I think obviously Coppa Italia was a great example of this is that it's just you know whatever they just didn't perform after the international break it's not just Osman who traveled far you've also got Kim who had to travel far as well and then throw him back into a game against Milan and you've got Leal running down you and Olivia Giroud hammering you for 90 minutes. Good luck with that. It was a top-class performance, and that is about as much as I'll take from this game. I think the Champions League is going to be a completely different animal. I think you will absolutely see Osman back fit and healthy, ready to rock and roll. Um, before we touch on Paris Saint-Germain, we've got to turn our attention to the Bundesliga and the return of Thomas Tuchel to the Bundesliga. Um, guys, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put my hands up and say, listen, nobody <laughs> freaking listened to me. 
No one cared. Nigel took the piss out of me for about six months saying that there's something wrong at Bayern Munich. And I wasn't necessarily talking about the results in the Champions League. I was looking at the Bundesliga, but I was also looking at the DNA with Nagelsmann and what was going on with the hierarchy at Bayern Munich there. JJ, you obviously know about it as well. You've read a lot about it. PSG, you see it with the hierarchy and the players. It's an interesting dynamic. With Nagelsmann in particular, he's an unusual character. So I'm not surprised to see this firing, but I am happy to see Thomas Tuchel back in the Bundesliga and he got an emphatic victory, Mike, against Borussia Dortmund. Um, Great start for Tuchel. Um, obviously, we have touched upon Cancelo with Fabrizio, but overall, the performance from Bayern Munich, they look like uh, things are back to normal. Yeah, they look like the Bayern that we're so used to seeing in this matchup and very disappointing for Borussia Dortmund. We'll hammer them in a bit, but plot it's for Bayern. Thomas Muller, this guy is getting older, but he still delivers in big games against Borussia Dortmund, scoring two goals. And one of the goals reminded me of the goal he scored against Chelsea in the Champions League final in 2012, looped to the back post and finished. This is a Bayern team that looked complete. And I think a big difference was... Tuchel played with two pivots, two defensive midfielders, and allowed the focal point to be on the wide play. Kingsley Three Coleman. Three-man back line as well. Oh, yeah. Well, Kingsley Coleman and Leroy Sané, they were excellent. They tormented Borussia Dortmund. I thought Dortmund were weak at the two outside backs, defending 1v1. And that five-man midfield of Dortmund, you didn't even know they existed. In the second half, when it was already 4-0, <laughs> Jude Bellingham did get – he drew that penalty kick. But other than that, disappointing performance from him and the entire yeah. Dortmund team. I mean, I think for Dortmund, obviously, you've got that mistake from Kobel so early in the game mm. that kind of like throws any game plan out of the window. But equally at the same time, I think what's so impressive about Tuchel coming into this Bayern side and getting that kind of result immediately off the bat is the fact that he didn't really make too many changes. Like He only made two changes to the team that got beaten by Bayer Leverkusen. So it was pretty much with the same personnel, just a few alterations. I think, you know, bringing in the whip that you get through Komen and uh, Sane, you know, that was uh, an inspired uh, choice. But I think it's more sort of the mentality that, that Tuchel brings. He's very... Uh, you know, he's unforgiving. He's very intense. He doesn't let up. And, you know, I think Bayern have missed that um, ruthlessness. And, you know, somebody like Muller particularly thrives in it. You know, the, his best spells throughout his career, he's, you know, made a, a living for himself, being ruthless in front of goal, you know, making the most of even half chances. And that, I think, was perhaps the most impressive thing uh, about Tuchel's uh, first outing because you saw with those two Dortmund goals late on that there are still a few questions about that Bayern defence. I know I keep banging on about the Frenchies playing at the back for Bayern, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there there are still some question marks about it. But don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I think that Bayern and Tuchel is a very good match, a better match than Nagelsmann, and I think one that probably suits the, the Bayern squad a bit better as well. And this is bad, bad news for Pep Guardiola and City because they would have been Oof, looking at Bayern under Nagelsmann, really <laughs> fancying their chances to get to the next round in the Champions League. And then suddenly, Bayern are a completely different mm -hmm. animal now. This one, this is my, my, my opinion here, though, right? This is a different Bayern Munich now. Now, now yeah. like we had a, obviously our private group chat, which we, we go on about, you know, who's favorites now? Can Bayern beat Man City and all this? Stuff. So I still see that, that, that Bayern don't have that killer and, and nothing against Chupo. What he's doing is phenomenal. And at his age, to be performing like that, he's probably at the right place right now because he's getting a lot of chances created for him. And he could really turn up and damage Manchester City. And certainly Bayern are now a contender once again, as far as I'm concerned in the Champions League. This is realistic mm -hmm. now because you throw in this coach here with this mentality. JJ, you obviously know Tuchel from his time at PSG. 
he has a commandment on the training ground. I watched, like, because I'm weird like this, right? I watched his first training session online. And the way he communicated with the players, he took no BS, right? Everybody shut up and listened to him. And he is a commanding figure. Everyone has to respect what Thomas Tuchel has done in his career, his young career, by the way. Phenomenal what he's achieved already. I wouldn't put it past Bayern Munich having mm-hmm. a real mm-hmm. opportunity of knocking Manchester City out here. Am I wrong here, Mike? JJ, am I wrong? Mm-hmm. JJ, I'll let you take this one because I'm, I'm very intrigued. I mean, how can we say that, that that's wrong, though, when Tuchel has rocked up mid-season at Chelsea and won the Champions League? You know, yeah. He has previous in yeah. doing this. And I think something as well that you have to take into account with Tuchel is Tuchel's not always sort of a long-term fit with clubs because he likes to clash with the hierarchy. Really, it's really important to him that he gets his way and that his authority is, you know, completely total uh, at all times when he's in charge of a club. Perhaps Bayern will allow him to have that given what he's achieved now. Uh, You know, certainly since he left Germany with Dortmund, what he did with PSG, what he then did uh, with Chelsea as well. But equally, uh, you know, I don't see how we can write Tuchel off. You know, Tuchel was the the one who masterminded Guardiola losing in the final, uh, you know, with City back in 2021, you know, not even two years ago. So, you know, I think, you know, I'm not going to say that Bayern are my favourites for the Champions League just yet, because like Ian pointed out, uh, you know, on top of those defensive issues that I was talking about, you still have the question marks over sort of the prolific source of goals, because I agree, I don't think Chupo is going to be that guy. And obviously there's big questions still uh, over Sadio Mane and whether he's going to be able to, to be back and, and contributing between now and the end of the season at the best of his abilities. But equally, when you look at the quality that Bayern have, you can never write them out. Uh, you know, And I think, especially at this stage of the tournament and Guardiola starts like tinkering around with his tactics, second-guessing his game plans, you don't want to be doing that in the face of Thomas Tuchel. Final thoughts before we get out of here, JJ, we'll leave it to you because Paris Saint-Germain uh, shit the bed once again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know what, it was a really strange one because the atmosphere was actually pretty good um, pre-match. The players and the fans looked up for it for about 15 to 20 minutes and, and then it all just fell to pieces. Uh, and I think if you can't make the most of a really positive atmosphere like that, despite the fact that there's relatively little left to play for, then that mm. suggests that there's something really, you know, properly broken with the players, with the coaching staff. You know, obviously there's a lot of speculation about Galtier. It doesn't look good for him and, you know, sort of beyond the end of this season, uh, you know, as well as for for a number of the, the PSG players and, you know, these overpaid star names who have once again failed to deliver. But, you know, you can't rule out PSG throwing away the six-point lead they have at the top of Ligue 1 at the moment. I know you guys have missed me banging on about oh loss the last boy. couple of months. They come to Paris in two weeks' time. They're yes. six points behind. They could close the gap this weekend <laughs> yes. to three points, and PSG have to go to Nice, which isn't an easy away day. So, you know, mm. there is still the possibility that this suddenly turns into a title fight for PSG, and if it does... If they do have to scrap, I have to say, based on what I've seen from them so far in 2023, they're not up for it. That is the topic that I want to close out with, my dear friends. Keep an eye on that match. JJ, you and I go back and forth and banter back and forth. And thank you for counseling me through my just heartache. That just, is just, think, just think about it, Mike. You 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 berate me all the time <laughs> for the fact that you chose Marseille. When I pushed you towards Lance, you could have been... Uh, you know, enjoying the, the absolute high of, you know, this unexpected title push right now. But instead, you got Marseille, you know, 
drawing 1-1 at home to Montpellier. I did tell you that that uptick in form was going to cost Marseille there. You know what? I choose pain. I choose violence, unfortunately, towards myself when it comes to being a fan this weekend. But I cannot wait for that. I think Ligue 1 needs a title race like this. Uh, Watching Ligue 1 in seasons past, the Monacos, seeing teams, Lille's, what they've done, it's going to be so exciting in the run-in for that game. I will be watching, not just as a new OM fan, but just as a growing Ligue 1 fan. All right, let's get out of here, boys. That was a great show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Michael Hood and Jonathan Johnson. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Of course, to House of Champions, please make sure you like and subscribe and follow and share the show as much as you possibly can. Uh, just a reminder to everybody out there, we will be back on Wednesday, uh, post El Clasico, obviously, to review what's been going on on Tuesday and Wednesday. A lot of games going on across the board. There's cup competitions in France, in Italy, in Germany. Premier League's going on in England as well. Um, and of course, in Spain, Copa del Rey with that second leg. Looking forward to that one uh, shout out to everybody who's listening to house of champions take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform we are available on apple podcast spotify stitcher and anywhere else you listen to your podcast also available as videos so subscribe to us as i've previously mentioned on youtube as well jj mike it's good to be back um i'm looking forward to what's happening during the week with all of the fixtures around the world and i'll see you boys post game on wednesday This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.